Welcome to the Butts and Seats Podcast, episode number 23, where we go week by week through the downfall of WCW, which I guess it is, it, it, it's always a downfall eventually once, you know, it's fallen. I think it, we're already in the downfall, so we're going through the downfall currently. Going week by week through Nitros, and uh, next episode will be a pay-per-view, and then after that will also be a pay-per-view, but that's unrelated. <laughs> Ooh, mysterious. Today we'll be talking about the April 5th, 1999, Monday Nitro, live from Las Vegas, Nevada. Nevada? I'm... Nevada? Nevada? Either way. I'm Nick, alongside Emily. Always. How are you doing today, Emily? Well, I have finally... So someone in my office brought in some fresh mint from their garden, so I am sipping on my second mojito of the day, and I'm loving my life. You have seven more episodes until another shot. I cannot take a mojito as a shot, though. No, I know. What if I just chew on a mint leaf as my shot? <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess anything can be a shot. Any drink is a shot if you try hard enough. Listen, I I, I joke that I I drink milk as like basically <laughs> nine ounce shots. It's not a shot. Anything's a shot if you believe it. <laughs> anything interesting? Anything interesting happening in the world of wrestling? But we're really not watching uh, current product at all. No, and I keep thinking like, oh, I need to tune into Raw or tune into SmackDown. I just forget to because you know work is a thing. And Ed- Edge life. came back. I thought Edge was already back. Edge, well, Edge came back again. He he didn't show up for a while after WrestleMania. Oh, okay. Daniel Bryan's still gone, which may age this. <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch the current stuff. Like I'm making a point to watch the current stuff. Like I'll probably put it on in the background at work or something. I'm a very good employee. We didn't watch any of Hell in a Cell, did we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, you did, yeah. Yeah, we did, because we, we watched, like, whatever the last half was, because then we watched the Broken Skull sessions. Fair, yeah. I think it was unenthused. I was about to call it the Broken Files. So not much new going on here, so I think we should just get into this, which is also seems to be how they're treating their whole new look and logo. Oh, wait, there was something new that happened with the world of wrestling. I don't know if we talked about this last episode, but every episode of SmackDown is now available on Peacock. So we're finally starting our watch through again. If you are a if you are a listener from the beginning, you know that we have been watching SmackDown from the beginning, just like on our own for funsies since like the quarantine, really. And in March, they took all of SmackDown off of um, off the WWE network to sw- swap over to Peacock, but it wasn't on Peacock. Well, no, here's the thing: they didn't take it off the network. It's, it was still on the network for people who could access the network. We just lost access to the network. Yes, because we live in the U.S. <laughs> yes. Okay, you're right. But finally, this past week or two weeks, they have put every episode of SmackDown back on on Peacock. So we've started our rewatch again. And by some, you know, prank of God above, our rewatch starts. And now they're like, Kevin Nash is just part of it. Kevin Nash is here. No, Kevin Nash wasn't there. Kevin Nash was, was appeared on an ad. He's appearing on Raw. Remember, he came in as part of the NWO in 2002. We were watching an episode last night, and there was like a a bar at the bottom of the screen that was like, 
and you know returning kevin nash or something along those lines and i was like you've got to be kidding no it was me. an ad for the upcoming pay-per-view which was no mercy and kevin nash is on the poster or something oh I was so there was like... also a, a weird commercial for it with pete rose and kane yeah yeah that was weird but i was just like i can't escape this stupid fucking man I hate him. Oh, yeah, because he even, he even turned up in uh, the 2011 stuff we were watching. Yeah, we're just, like, skipping around the, which, the collection at this point. Which, weirdly enough, will come up later in the show. But he just keeps appearing. This man does not go away, and he's still an asshole in 2011. <clears throat> but Kevin Nash does not open the show. Instead, we get a very dramatic, film-like kind of video with Sting. Oh, yeah, it was like an emo punk music video, like black and white, slow motion, Sting whipping his hair in the, the lightning. Whipping his hair in the lightning? Well, like the flashes of the lightning, like he whipped his hair, you know, uh, and very he, emo. Yep, and he has his baseball bat with him, per usual. Is that, a, is that a Sting thing? Is the baseball bat? Yes. Okay, so we've realized that I don't know pretty much anything about Sting. So this is a learning curve for Emily. Well, you'll learn a ton today, because they talk about yes. it throughout the whole show. You're right. Doesn't show up, but he you know. <laughs> does eventually. eventually. But uh, yeah, that, that's kind of it. Just it's it's a, it's dramatic, and then they just cut to the new Nitro opening, which they really didn't hype up at all. On at least on last week's, or really kind of at all. They just kind of went, yeah, oh, no. "Welcome to uh, you know, we're going into the new millennium." So new look, yada yada yada. Going into the new millennium, it's March of ninety nine. It's not like you know. No, it's f- April now. Okay, woo. It's not like it's the fall or going into the holiday season of like, ooh, New Year's coming or going to the next millennium. It's March. April, sorry. It's spring. <laughs> spring stampede. <laughs> but what did you think of the new the new intro? I mean, listeners may already know what I think about it, considering I will be using the old Nitro music as the <laughs> new one, because the new one is just noise. Yeah, I couldn't tell you anything about the intro song. I I don't hate the logo. I know you had more strong feelings about it than I did. Yeah, I was not a fan. It was hard to tell what the like what it was saying. Yeah. It took a few viewings to be like, "Oh, it says WCW." But I didn't I don't remember the music at all, but I did like the the vibe, I guess, the attitude, the energy of the intro package as a whole. Yeah, so the the stage now is also just the giant, um, as, as has been known, Starburst logo. Except there's, like, a large amount of room in between the actual, like, stage and the, and the set. And the, like, the backdrop, which has, like, lights meant to look like stars. Like, I think that's kind of cool looking. But yeah, that is cool. But the, that's also where the, like, jumbotrons are. Well, they're, they're above, but they're like back still. Yeah. But my point being is that there's just a very large amount of space in between the set, which looks really thin. It did look thin. And the back curtain. Because there's certain shots you actually like see the guys like like kind of starting to walk up. Oh, I did not to, notice yeah, that. To the actual kind of entrance ramp, which we need to talk about the, the ramp itself. The logo continues onto the stage and ramp <laughs> and it actually fucks up the stairs. Oh, yeah, so they have to walk around the bottom part of the new logo. Yes, ev- everyone has to step around it. At one point, uh, when Ric Flair comes out, he goes, you need to fix that, because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. Yeah, like straight into the camera. Yeah. Which, again, why don't they do, like, dress rehearsals for these shows? At least, like, semi-run-throughs. I mean, they like, do Are you telling me degree. that's the first time that Ric Flair walked down those stairs? I why mean, didn't that come up in a dress? 
well, one, it probably was the first time he walked down those stairs. Two, my guess is the crew who was setting it up noticed it, but went, we don't have an alternative option. Oh, okay. Or That's like, fair. Or someone went, it'll look fine if they just step around it. I just don't understand how, like, that didn't come up in a rehearsal and someone be like, hey, wrestlers that are going to be on the show, this is what's up. Walk around. Well, no, like, I think I think they did tell him to walk around because I think everyone did. So just Ric Flair's an asshole? No, Ric Flair went, I don't want to walk around this thing every week. Fix that. I just think that that's something that should have come up backstage in a production meeting not necessarily into the camera on his entrance well now he said it now it has to happen sure but i feel like rick flair would have had some pull in a production meeting backstage too rick no he's the president of the company (laughs) you're right oh my god (laughs) anyway um alongside that there is just a ton of technical issues this week to where i was wondering i'm like did they get like a new crew with the new set as well? Because yeah. there's a lot of weird audio getting cut on and off. They'll like they'll cut away to graphics that haven't started yet, and they'll just like sit on that for like five seconds and then start. Yeah. Uh, I think by design, there's a lot of stuff that just happens backstage, and then it just like fades out with nothing oh having God, happened. The backstage segments were so painful, at least in the first half of the show. Yeah, because they do, they do kind of vanish afterwards yeah. but we do start the show with goldberg just walking through backstage holding a tombola as they call it yeah it's like a lottery tumbler yeah like has little balls with numbers in it and then you're supposed to like rotate and pull out a number you're just walking around with that in his hand i was i was convinced he was gonna like get stuck in a doorway or like catch one of the legs on like a door handle that and i was like funny i was hoping for it I, I thought he was gonna get stuck when he came into the ring with it when he's trying to get it through the ropes Oh, yeah, me too. I thought too. I would have gotten stuck. We have, I don't want to say a new commentary team, but an adjusted commentary team yeah. of, it's just Tony Schiavone and Bobby Heenan. Through the entire show. And they're on commentary at ringside as opposed to being up yeah. by the stage. I like them better at ringside, but do you know why it's down to two? I think a lot of this is just them trying to be more similar to WWF. That's my thought too, but I didn't know for sure. So is it... Larry Zabisco is now relegated to Thunder? I guess. I, I don't even remember them mentioning Larry. Uh, they, they mentioned that Mike Tanay is now just doing the hotline, but I don't remember them saying anything about they Larry. They did say something about someone just being commentary for Thunder. I, know, I don't exactly remember who. I know they will eventually go back to having three people at some point. I don't know when. I'm not mad about it. Every episode up to this point, I have written down at some point in my notes, God, I hate commentary. Oh. Re- I didn't write it down at all this episode. Really? I oh, know. They, they, no, to me, they were bad at a couple points. They weren't They weren't distractingly bad. On commentary, Tony notes that Sting apparently has a special message tonight. You know, we're, we're excited for a Sting promo that's That'd not cool. going to happen. This is where I'd put my Sting promo, if I had one. Spring Stampede is in six days, and they plug that... Booker T versus Chris Jericho and Scott Steiner versus Meng will both happen tonight and both are the semifinals of the U.S. title tournament. I forgot there was a tournament going on. Yeah, we really didn't see any of that. I think it was mostly no. on Was Thunder. it all Thunder? Okay. It was also the fact of we saw Steiner advance. We saw Meng advance. I don't remember if we saw Booker advance. I don't know. Jericho is replacing Kurt Hennig. We didn't see him advance. 
I don't know how many rounds this was. It might have just been Steiner and Meng qualified, and then they are now in the semifinals. It might have just been an eight-person thing. Maybe. But anyway, back to the episode, because we haven't gotten past Goldberg walking around backstage with the lotto roller. No, Tony then throws to Gene in the ring. The mean Gene brings out Goldberg. But the point I was kind of going for is they're actually using the first hour to, like, set things up. Oh, my God. Yes. That was something that I noticed right off the bat. Because they started the show with this new intro as opposed to putting the, the Nitro intro an hour into the show. It felt like the show started. Yeah, I remember thinking, I'm like, oh, so this is Nitro now. Yeah, it actually, like, honestly, the first hour was not painfully boring. Like, I felt like something was happening at every, you know, commercial block, which is great. And we have Goldberg in, like, the first thing that happens. Yeah, which would never have happened prior, because it's not Nitro. It's pre-show. So Goldberg says that he's been on the end of the ultimate screw job since Starcade. (laughs) To which I said, I think Brett might... uh, disagree that this was the ultimate screw job well brett would have to be here to disagree no brett hart tonight folks no, well no he, he quit remember he will apparently be out for uh six to eight weeks nursing a groin injury is the current plan yeah i have a groin injury the likes of which you've never seen none of you people got groins <laughs> goldberg points out that he was left off the last pay-per-view and he's like yeah flair has it his way up but left off, left off the next one too yeah well. so he has the tombola, and he's like, we can call it the Goldberg Lottery, which... Really like, rolls off the tongue. Yeah, I'm like, is that meant to Real catchy. Be, be like a pun on something? No. no. No, I think it was just he thought it sounded cool, but it don't. It don't he, has a, sound he, no cool. he has another one of those lines later. So Kevin Nash then comes out to interrupt. Because of course he does. Wearing a Detroit Red Wings jersey, which I guess is a reference to Brett wearing the hockey jersey last week. I made an, I, I did think about that. I was like, is this him trying to be like, oh, I'm just as cool as Brett Hart? Like, I don't know. Well, I was thinking, I'm like, it's kind of weird you're wearing a Red Wings jersey. I'm like, oh, I guess I think he's from that area. Is he from Detroit? I think somewhere around there. Nash says that in 10 years, they won't be talking about Goldberg. They'll be talking about him. Well, that's not true. (laughs) Well, if you give it 12 years, they'll be talking about Kevin Nash because he'll be back on Raw. Fair. Maybe he realized, like, oh, shit, I said 10. I'm a little late. Yeah, randomly in 10 years, nobody was really talking about either of them. When did Goldberg come back? Well, he shows up in WWE originally in 2003, stays for a year, and then leaves until... Like 2016. In between those stretches, he really doesn't have anything to do with wrestling. Good. He just made enough money from WCW. Like, all right, I'm good. I'm good. Go be with your family. Live your life. Take care of your dogs. No, his many dogs. His many dogs. Every dog is going to be owned by a WCW. Yeah, roster. we have we have not by a whole, by a roster by an entire roster. Yeah, we have not got an update on 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 that progress of did everybody adopt a pet? I don't think they did could they like that'd be so irresponsible nash says to forget the tombola did you have to look up the word tombola no because i've never heard that word before and you have said it three times now i don't know what else to call it the lotto roller that's what i call it he wants goldberg at spring stampede and he's like what do you say to that probably probably, he calls him billy boy at least at one point here i love calling him billy (laughs) and goldberg goes you know what i say to that merry christmas goldberg and i'm like Aren't you Jewish? Is he? I'm well, pretty Goldberg, sure. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure he's Jewish. That's funny. But also, that was not a cool line. No, that's another one of those lines. It's like you said it thinking that you were doing you were doing something. It was not cool. Honestly, off the top of my head, 
it'll be like Christmas morning is better line than Merry Christmas to myself. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, so God. that's the segment, and that match seems made. However, we go backstage, and Ric Flair and Arn Anderson are like, are you seeing what's going on? Yeah, just like frantically gesturing to a small TV in Flair's office. Do you see what these boys are doing? Get these boys. Get them in line. Well. Saying stuff like that. The funny thing to me is if Flair is going, do you see what's going on in real time? He's pointing to himself on the television. Because oh, that segment's right. already over. <laughs> you got to extend your uh, your disbelief a bit. But sometimes you get great comedy out of thinking about it logistically. <laughs> do you see me on this camera right now? Look how hot I am. I will give him credit. Him and Arn are watching... I mean, they're watching on weird small monitors, but they're not watching at a... At an know, angle, yeah. At a 180 degree angle. I mean, it's 1999, and this is not a, a permanent setup. So, yeah, they probably do have smaller TVs that they just carry with them. That makes sense. So the Nitro girls then come out, and they have to be on two stages, which I wasn't sure would fuck up their choreography at all, but we barely pay attention to the choreography. So my... Like, the first thing that I noticed with these girls is they felt... And you can say that I'm I'm wrong in this. It felt more sexy and less cheerleader. I noticed it a bit later, but I, I was barely overall paying attention the, the Nitro service. Girls. They felt a little bit more sexy than like sidelines cheerleader because like some of their routines are very much like I used to work basketball games at our university, and in between the plays, like the the dance team would come out and do like quick little fifteen second dances or something, just like really quick little choreography spots. And that's what it felt like before this, at least. But now it's a little bit more gyrate a little bit more sexy. But that also might just be me thinking that these girls are hot. So I don't know. Ricky Rackman then comes out. He plugs the hotline and fucks up the Canadian number. <laughs> Did you notice that he doesn't have his frosted tips anymore? No, he has like a little dyed per, uh, pink. <laughs> he dyed like a strand of his, a strip of his bangs. Hot pink. Picture the dyed blonde rat tail of um, of Lance Storm from Barely Legal, oh, and put it on like on like the front and make it pink. Make it pink. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that rat tail on Lance Storm. I think we'll see him soon. Really? Well, doubly. I think I know he he will come to WCW, but uh, hmm. we have a ECW episode coming up soon. Oh, I forgot we were doing another ECW pay per view. Well, speaking of ECW, uh, next up we have Hack with Chastity versus Kendall Windham. In a kendo stick match. Kendall Wyndham was in his best Steve Austin cosplay. I should have offered you $100 to name who that was before they gave him the title card. I referred to him as 215 in my notes. 215? Because he's a discount on Steve Austin. 316. Yeah. No, no, no. I got it. I got it. See, that's the joke. That's why it's funny. Called him 215. I thought it was funny. So now I'm just thinking of Mike Knox being quarter past 10. <laughs> yeah, because 215 would be like, you're kind of doing the, the C portion of YMCA in terms of arm placement. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But I'm talking about like the Bible verse thing. Austin 316 said, I just whooped your ass. Wyndham 215 said... I'm going to put I'm on gonna... a, 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 me- a mildly mediocre match against Hack in the opening segment of... I'm going to hit you really lightly with a kendo stick. So Hack comes out in barbed wire, and Chastity comes out in a schoolgirl outfit. And she doesn't have the braids anymore. No. But she doesn't have her hair, like, dreaded. That's probably for the best. Yeah. The schoolgirl outfit will come up quite a lot on commentary, because fucking Tony and Bobby are thirsty as fuck during this match. Jesus Christ. 
hey, if they're trying to be like WWE, they're trying to match Jerry Lawler. <laughs> they're doing a great job. Don't, don't come at the king. <laughs> Literally. Ah. No, he's Jerry the King Lawler. I thought that was the initial joke. No, I was oh, just... Oh, you big dummy. I was doing the, if you come at the king, you best not miss. Listen, Jerry says a lot of uh, real gross things. No. Swindham has some interesting offense early on using the kendo stick, including like a weird kind of like leg lock, and he uses the stick for leverage. Like, Which oh, is shit. cool. I did like that a lot. Chastity comes in and breaks it up with a kendo stick, and Hack gets the advantage. Chastity then just steals both sticks and is like hanging out with him around ringside. Hack goes to get one, but Wyndham catches him on the way in, and then, like, for a long while, neither one of them really gets to use the stick. No. Like, for a kendo stick match, there's very little stick action outside of the opening, like, 30 seconds, and then... I did love that it started as, like, a sword fight. It wasn't hitting each other with the sticks, it was just hitting stick on stick. I was like, are we, are we jousting? Are we, are we doing a little bit of fencing? Like... I mean, listen, Star Wars Episode One would be coming out in about a month. Oh my god, are we doing lightsaber battles? Oh, God, we're going to get to experience that bon- care? bonus episode, Star Wars episode No, one. we are not doing a bonus episode of Star Wars. I'm trying to think if any wrestler has ever showed up in a Star Wars movie. I don't think so. So there was a point in this match, after the, the sticks got taken away, I, I think it was Barry, or Kendall Wyndham, not Barry Wyndham, Kendall Wyndham, pushed Hack into, like, the corner, and Hack was supposed to, like, roll into the corner, but, like, he just took it so, like rigid i guess it, just, it was so obvious that he was the one rolling himself in it wasn't like oh i got pushed therefore i'm rolling it's like, i got pushed oh now i have to roll yeah but and he like fell backwards into the into the corner it just looked really dumb you didn't have to do that not no momentum made you have to do that finish the match hack hits a ddt then clocks windham over the head with the kendo stick then hits a white russian leg sweep with the stick and gets the win is that your favorite um wrestling move the white russian leg sweep it's a great name it's Nick's favorite cocktail. Apparently, Hack will be facing the big boss man at Spring Stampede, by the way. Say that again. Apparently, Hack will be facing the big boss. Nope. I did it again. I, I did BBB. <laughs> you also said Stampede. Uh, yeah, I, I heard that one. Apparently, Hack will be facing Bam Bam Bigelow at Spring Stampede. They announced that at the end. I'm like, oh, okay. But uh, thoughts on the match? Eh. Yeah, I was hoping it'd be a little, a little more violent. I love Steve Blackman with a kendo stick. He's the only one that I really love with the kendo stick. Hack makes me nervous because he usually does the head thing, but he, he didn't did do not, the head yeah, thing. He this did not time. do that this time. But yeah, it was, uh... yeah, it was fine. I again, I, I it's it's the sad man. I want it to be a little more violent. Yeah, but I know he's also only around for a little bit longer. Really? Yeah. Well, we're losing a lot of people soon. I mean, he sticks around until July, so a little bit longer is relative. But oh, okay, yeah, that's it's not long, but it's longer. Yeah. After that, we get a Meng hype package. They make him look fucking dangerous. Yeah, they did. We got a lot of video packages. Yeah. They got, like, a video team. I'm proud of them. Backstage, Goldberg goes into Ric Flair's office and sees Lex Luger sitting there, asks, what the hell is this? And then it just cuts away. And we never see Lex Luger again in this episode. No, we don't. Why was Lex Luger there? Also backstage, Arn Anderson tells Kevin Nash that Flair wants to see him. And Nash's like, can I get a cup of coffee first? God. Like, a little bit of urgency. He was yeah. like, can I just, like, have a minute? Can I just, like, drink my coffee? Like, no. the Flair needs to see you now. Come on. Like, no, I need to drink my coffee, man. Fuck off. Drink and walk. And then they cut away from that. We go to our next match, which is Conan versus Lismark Jr. Uh, Conan comes out to what may or may not be a new theme <laughs> in a common uh, 
I guess, segment at this point. Yeah, seriously. We really need to figure out if this is a new theme or not. I don't know how long Conan stick. I think Conan might stick around until the end, so we really oh, got to figure that out. Yeah. He does cut his usual promo, and around this time, commentary mentions that Disco Inferno apparently made a music video of his own. Oh, did he? I didn't. I missed that. We didn't see the music video, but apparently he made it. Because oh, they, they've been talking about their quote-unquote feud about the stupid music video thing. Yeah, I barely even remember. They'll be fighting on Sunday. Oh, over the music video? I, I mean, not for like the rights to the music video, but <laughs> I guess over that, you know, that feud. Guys. This is a weirdly two-sided match. No, Conan should look good here, not lose to a guy oh, I don't think yeah. he's seen before. Yeah, Lismark, I don't know him. The, the crowd doesn't seem to either because he tries to do a weird like mocking laugh at the crowd to try to get heat. And, and no one reacts to it. <laughs> like, oh, no. On commentary, they point out that the referees are now wearing stripes. Oh, They're... my God. They weren't wearing stripes before. No, they weren't. You were pointing out, like, something's different with the ref shirt. Like, well, you thought there was, like, a sticker or something. No, well, well, the stripes are new, but there's also, like, a patch or a sticker or something with the WCW logo on it. Yeah. And I'm just, like, I couldn't tell if it was something set on or if it was literally just a sticker. But you were pointing that out, and so I was looking at the refs for a while. I never noticed that they were now wearing stripes. Wow. I am not observant. Conan hits a rolling clothesline, and commentary gives us a bit of info that apparently I was wrong about last episode. Oh. The NWO B-Team Battle Royal was not on Thunder. It will be on this Nitro. So I heard that, and I looked at Nick, and I was like, I thought that does already, is that happening tonight? And he's like, no, no, it happened on Thunder. And we backed up, and it was like, Oh no, we get to experience that. Yay. <laughs> Conan hits a face buster, then a, in all the quotes, tequila sunrise, and Lismar oh, yeah. Jr. taps out. That was the weakest tequila sunrise I've ever seen. He holds on to it for a little while, too, and he looks pissed off afterwards. Yeah. I think I think, I think Lismar Jr. kind of fucked it up, and he was he not something. happy about it. Yeah. Because it just ended up really being a single-leg Boston Crab. It did not look... At all like a finisher, I'll tell you that. But Conan wins. This was an entirely skippable match. I, I don't even know if we've actually seen Disco and Conan on the same screen in this build. At least on Nitro. When, when was the last time we saw Disco? I think it was just at the uh, spring breakout Nitro. And he was complaining to Ricky Rackman about something to- entirely different. Maybe. I don't know. Regardless, they've not been putting a lot of emphasis on this on Nitro. I think that's more of a thunder feud. We then go backstage. Kevin Nash visits Ric Flair and they cut away. Yeah, like he walks into the office and they cut. But be- I hate these segments. But before that, Arn Anderson walks in and Flair's like, where's Nash? Like, oh, he was right behind me. And like, they're weirdly teasing some dissension between Arn Anderson and Ric Flair. I don't know if that's intentional or not. I didn't really get dissension. I got like you know boss and lackey, but I didn't get. I got the, the like, like, like Flair's getting annoyed with Arn. Fair. Think... I hate these fucking packages. They are doing nothing. Yeah. What is the point? We then get a Scott Steiner hype package. Oh woo! Talking about his body. My body. Backstage, Kevin Nash and Ric Flair are walking and talking, Aaron Sorkin style, through the office, and Flair goes to leave, and Hulk Hogan spots him. And he seems kind of pissed. He's like, oh, you know, is, is this business? What's up? You got words out of this interaction? Well, this one not as much. Because then, I guess they go to commercial. When they come back, Kevin Nash is sitting on some stairs talking to Charles Robinson. 
And Charles Robinson just sees Hulk Hogan and goes, I gotta go. And then we're doing Kevin Nash and Hulk Hogan again. I hate Kevin Nash and Hulk Hogan in the same backstage promo because both of those men do not know how to project their voices. Which is ironic because like Hulk Hogan is known for like cutting these great big, promos. Yeah, big shouty promos. Big promo. shouty promos. Put this man behind a camera? I can't hear a word he says. Him and um, Nash were just mumbling at each other and I didn't hear a freaking word so basically hogan wants to know if they're on the same team and nash is upset about hogan pretending atlanta was real the the event not the not the show or the city the city is not real i've been to where it's supposedly located nash says they're on the same team and then gives a mocking face which i wrote press x to doubt (laughs) so yeah they're further teasing dissension between uh hogan and nash especially with a battle or something yeah, especially with Hogan clearly turning face here and Nash just not. Nash just turns more and more apathetic with each episode. Yeah, there's a line between being a tweener and just being apathetic. Yeah. We then go back to the ring and Mean Gene brings out Ric Flair. This is where Flair references the uh, shitty stairs and also has to tell the cameraman like twice, like, back up. This is when you were like, I think there's a new crew. Yeah. Because the camera guy does not understand the amount of space between the camera and the talent. Yeah, we have it with Goldberg later, too, yeah. where he, like, is all up in Goldberg's face. Yeah, like, you get an under-chin shot of Goldberg. We do not get our mean woo by God gene. No, we haven't gotten it in a while. Again, I don't, I don't know if we're ever going to get one again. Oh, we're losing everything. Flair runs down the crowd, weirdly hypes up and run-downs Goldberg, and then praises Kevin Nash. Flair then books himself and Hogan... In a one-on-one match for the title tonight, mm-hmm. as opposed to for Sunday. So I'm like, okay, so you just don't want a main event for... Uh, for Spring Stampede? Yeah. The, the pay-per-view that is next week. You don't want to, like, put yourself in that? All right. So Hogan then r- starts running down to the ring and is, like, taking off his belt as he does it. And I'm like, oh, that's a weird visual. <laughs> he cuts a Hogan promo. He doesn't say much anything. These two just have awkward chemistry. And it really feels like they're stalling. Like, DDP is supposed to come out earlier than he does. Spoiler. But DDP comes out, and he's back to being a face, it seems. Yeah. DDP wants the match to be made a three-way dance. Kinky. Flair says no. It's like, we're doing me and Hogan one-on-one. Flair's a little obsessed with proving that he's the man. To be the man, you gotta beat the man. Goldberg's music then hits, and he comes out. Arn, we cut to Arn Anderson just watching backstage oh my God, for like yeah. three seconds. He's just shaking his head disapprovingly as Goldberg walks out. Like, Arn, you can come out. You're not. You're not like in timeout. You can come. Goldberg wants to be in the match. Flair's like, nope. It's a one-on-one match. So Goldberg tosses Flair across the ring, and then just randomly, it's confirmed that it's a fatal four-way for the title. Yeah, because he, like, he hit Flair, so therefore now Flair is mad. It's like, you know what? I will beat you up, whatever, dude, brother Jack. Commentary, yeah, like, commentary says it's, it's going to be that, and I was like, I figured there would be some shenanigans of, like, oh, I never agreed to this match. I'm going to change it, but we do get right. that match later. Then, as they're walking to the back, Goldberg and Hogan stare each other down in the aisle, and they seem to make some sort of agreement, like, Oh, you know, we take these two out, then it'll just be, you know, it'll just be us and we can settle things. Right. That doesn't lead to anything. Yeah. So we have our main event for later. Segment was a bit messy, but I've seen worse. Yes, definitely. Yeah, but that's our, it's the fatal four-way, It's a four-way dance. It's a four corners match is what they call it. It's a fatal four-way. Okay. Just for ease of us knowing. 
Next up, we get our semifinals in the U.S. title tournament, Scott Steiner versus Meng. And apparently, I'm not sure if this is supposed to happen here because Tony and Bobby on commentary have no idea what the fuck's about to happen Mm -hmm. when the Wolfpack music hits. So Steiner grabs a mic. He calls DDP Diamond Dallas trash. Diamond Dallas trash. He asks why DDP didn't enter the tournament if he wanted to fight Steiner so bad, which I'm like, I don't think he was back yet. (laughs) I don't think he qualified. Steiner also mentions the 30 days, 30 nights stipulation about Kimberly. And he says it counted because DDP didn't say no within seven days. And that would hold up in a court of law. Within seven days. (laughs) Please take this to court. Let's see where this goes. We need to get the we need to get the YouTube channel Legal Eagle on this. Legal Eagle, come sponsor this episode. That'd probably be a great episode of his channel, just going through wrestling laws and rules and contract stipulations. Oh my god, it gives headache. Like I think about um, WrestleMania 17. China has a like a hold harmless agreement with Ivory because China's neck is apparently all fucked up in kayfabe, mm-hmm. and it's like yeah, that's not a thing. As a promoter, you cannot put her on your show. Yeah. She is not medically cleared. It's like, if she, God forbid something happened, it's like, you are liable. Just because there's some stupid contract does not mean that you're all good. So he says in so many words that he is the best at sex and that he, uh, he'll agree to a match with DDP if DDP lets Steiner bang his wife. Yeah. It's like, all right, Scott. I think Scott really just wants to have sex with kimberly like that is his entire motivation yeah you know when you want to bang somebody you throw them out of a car come on let's just have sex you just rolled you rolled out of the car once it's not a big deal let's have sex come on well again we don't know if she rolled out or was thrown out true he was the one driving how could he have thrown her out they said he they he threw her out driving we've already talked about this have we yes because I, I point, physics don't work. I pointed that out. Of oh. you had to reach across, open the door. I guess while doing like a donut in the parking yeah. garage. Anyway, Meng comes out as Steiner intimidates Tony Schiavone, and this match is between two very scary men. Yeah, but I still would have put my money on Meng. It's two different types of scary, yeah. but both scary. And this match is just two big boys slapping meat. Ew different scary in the way of like if i saw scott steiner walk into the same bar that i was in i would leave but if i saw meng in a dark alley i would run if i saw steiner walk into the bar i'd leave if i saw meng walk into the bar i'd get up and give him my seat i'm like i'm gonna leave you alone yeah make this man as comfortable as he can possibly be so he does not come after me on commentary they're actually plugging things for later in the show as meng hits a diving clothesline Meng sets up for the tongue and death grip, but Steiner rakes the eyes and then hits a blatant low blow right in front of the referee. DQ. And then a belly-to-belly suplex. He goes for the pin and tries to put his feet in the ropes, but in doing so, he ends up putting Meng's foot on the rope. And the ref really should be seeing all this, but the ref doesn't, and... Steiner gets the pin. Steiner gets the pin. It's yeah. like a... It was real messy. It was a mess. I think it was a matter of Manx like, I'm not tapping out to your little fucking Steiner recliner bullshit. <laughs> the match itself wasn't bad, but the no. ending was just kind of rough and killed a lot of the uh, the interest. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was... Yeah. Also, the low blow, especially in a fucking tournament, like, that. that's annoying. Oh, yeah. The fact that there, there were a couple of points where it could have been DQ'd, and they just didn't. I don't really see, like, a clean match where Steiner beats Meng, you know? Yeah. 
We then get the Nitro girls looking like they're going to paint a shiny house. <laughs> yeah, they were in like holographic overalls. <laughs> After them, we get the cameras looking up to the rafters trying to find Sting and they see a guy in like a trench coat and jeans and it's like, is it Sting? He's like, no, it's one of our, it's one of our riggers. You, you've been a rigger. You've worked as a rigger. Why would you wear a trench coat? I don't know. It's cold up there. Is it cold up there? I don't know. I, I usually don't go that, that high up. But um, no, we were, we were laughing because it's like, that isn't Sting, but it's definitely the guy who's there to make sure Sting repels safely later in the show. Yeah, he wasn't up there by accident or just for this stupid little spot. Like, he was up there for a reason. Well, since we didn't get Sting there, we're going to go to the dramatic Sting video again. Exact same one as the beginning of the show. We then go backstage and Ric Flair is on the phone with what sounds like a, based on his tone, I'm guessing as a woman. And he is like looking at the camera and like slightly over the camera being like, gotta turn that off and get out of here. Like talking to the cameraman. Yeah. It was just weird. I don't understand why. Yeah. I don't know why this was here. I don't know why he's telling the cameraman to leave. Cameraman's been in the office from the beginning because he's done like seven different little stupid segments in there. Yeah, which backtracking, the Goldberg one, it's like a tracking shot of him walking to the office and then he opens the door and then there's a camera in the office right. already there ready to like film him. Right. So I, I don't understand what's going on with some of these segments. Make it make sense. We didn't get a nice video package on uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan and his battle with cancer. Mm-hmm. And he will be in action up next after beating cancer, announcing it on Thunder a, couple, a week or two ago. Yeah, which is really great. Like, it's it's very, like, heartwarming. I don't know much about Jim Duggan, but, like, I'm happy that he's alive and healthy. Yes, Jim Duggan, great guy. He, great for an audience, but in terms of watching the matches on TV, it's not always the most exciting. Mm. Jim Duggan, however, winner of the first ever Royal Rumble. Wow. Back before it, you really won anything for winning it, but the... It was uh, just an event. Yeah, the 20-man Royal Rumble. That was just like the the first one they did. Yeah, wow, that's yeah. cool. I love a Rumble. So Hacksaw will be facing some tough competition when he faces Lenny Lane. Yep. <laughs> that's about it. That's kind of all I have to say about the patch, too, unfortunately. Well, yeah, Duggan comes out, American flag in hand, immediately starts a USA chant. Thoughts on that as a character? American? Just... Uber Patriot American chant the country's name. His song starts with USA chants. It didn't bother me. I actually, I should note, his song starts with him chanting USA as opposed to when they had Lex Luger and WF trying to be an American hero and they had like piped in crowd USA chants oh. to start his, his music. Yeah, no, that's different. I don't, I didn't hate it. I was not against it. By any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, this is a brawling match. It's Hacksaw. You kind of know what you're going to get. He does have a couple heel tendencies. I think it was just more accidental than any- anything. But he wins with the knee drop. I really wish... I, I just don't have a lot to say about this match. It's great that he's healthy and he's back. And I'm happy that he's thriving. Yeah, he'd be 45 here. So I guess younger than I thought. But yeah, it's just hard to get excited about you know because basically we're, we're putting in a, a character in the mix again yeah and it's not a terribly complex character and he's not a super great worker so it's i i, I don't know what they're gonna do with him going forward but i'm happy i'm happy he's healthy exactly that's, yeah that's, that's the main takeaway that. like, I'm, I'm happy he's, he's healthy. healthy i don't know what they're gonna do with him we shall see as long as he's not against people like lenny lane like if they do something real with him that'd be great if he's just another mid-carder, like, we don't really need another one. I know he will eventually hold the television title. Okay. Now, how he wins that is very interesting, but we won't get there for quite some time. 
Ricky Rackman then comes out again, plugs the hotline. I'm over this guy. I fucking hate Ricky Rackman. We then get a clip from Thunder. The B-team finally asks Hulk Hogan, Hey, what the fuck's up with you telling everybody we're run- we're each of us were running the-, the black and white? Because this was another Hogan mumble at the beginning, I didn't realize what was happening until like 30, 40 seconds into this promo or this segment because I, like, I got excited when I was like, oh, he's actually like telling them what's happening. But I didn't realize it at first that that's what was happening. Yeah, Hogan says that they call that's on me brother you know i i, I want to tell you guys all that and see if one of you would you know like rise to the occasion and he doesn't really say it but he kind of does it's like hoping you'd rise to the occasion and none of you did yeah so then hogan makes a battle royal for nitro and i wrote so this is his fault <laughs> i just i don't care it's so stupid i don't want to watch it i don't want to watch it well that's our next match i don't want to watch it I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to be there. It is the B-Team Battle Royal. I don't want to. Vincent, Horace, Brian Adams, and Stevie Ray. Fuck you, Scott Norton. You're not going to be the leader. (laughs) Did you get for kicking out at 3.1 last week? I just just don't care. I have uh, have nothing on this match. I feel like we need to talk about it very slightly. I know. I have the order of who got kicked out. Yes. The order was Vincent, then Brian Adams... Then Horace goes out, so Stevie Ray wins. But I feel like we need to talk about just how bad and boring this match actually was. Yeah, we weren't the only ones that thought it. Commentary was talking over it. The audience was taking their pee breaks. Like, no one gave a shit about this. They did pop a little bit for Brian Adams hitting a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker. Okay. But that was kind of it. They just brawl, and there's only four men... They brawl in the way that you would when there's like twenty people in the ring. Yeah, and, and there's they said only this was a four battle of them. royal, which like in a normal battle royal, there are like twenty men. That, well, that's what I'm saying. I'm like they're brawling like like that when you're able to hide a bit. Yeah, they're you doing that with four with men four in the people. ring. Ugh. This, I feel like we're not putting it into words. This was just abysmal. It was just so boring. I don't want to live it again. I don't want to do it again. It's and it didn't boring. help that we didn't we didn't really care who won either. No. Because also, you know what actually pissed me off about this? Mm-hmm. So who won this match? Stevie Ray. Do you remember who won the match on fucking pay-per-view to decide who was going to lead the NWO? No, it was it Stevie Ray? Yeah. <laughs> We're back where we fucking started. Ah, uh, it's never going to end. But I think, uh, but I think even the broadcast knew that this was shit. Because Stevie Ray wins, and about 10 seconds later, we just cut away to DDP stretching. Yeah. Immediately cut to backstage. He's just, like, doing some hamstring stretches. We see the origin of DDP yoga. <laughs> so moving on just as quickly, we get a clip from the tag title match from last week, and then we get the Nitro Girls. Lots of Nitro Girls in this episode. Post-Nitro Girls, we get a tag team title match. It'll be Rey Mysterio and Kidman versus Raven and Perry Saturn. Ooh. So Perry Saturn is doing a bit of a hybrid look here because he's back in like the chainmail kind of like long vest kind of look, but he's still wrestling in a skirt. I can't really tell if he's sticking with the dress thing or not. He also has the yellow contacts, but no makeup. Yeah, I don't know. What's so going it's on. an interesting kind of thing here. You did like Ray and Kidman matching though. They were wearing the same outfit. It was kind of cute. They were wearing a a tank top and jeans. Or jean shorts well, for Kidman. It's Kidman's exact outfit. Like, he wears that, like, undershirt sort of tank top and the baggy jeans. 
it's not a complicated look to copy. No, but it's not. And Ray does, does, okay, well, now he does. But they were, they were matching. It was cute. Yeah, I was say, Ray really has no... He doesn't a, have a look in Yeah, uh, uh, I would say attire identity. I think mm-hmm. look is probably the more normal word. Attire identity? Yeah. <laughs> attire arn. Attire arn. So a lot of points in this match, I started to lose my mind a little bit because Raven will just come in and do double team moves. And I was like, that's fine. Like early on, Perry Saturn like picks up Ray and Raven just like dives and like hits a massive move off the yeah. top rope. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, I don't get it. Kidman comes in like a house of fire. Kidman and Ray hit a double top rope splash onto Saturn, and, and Kidman lands right on Saturn's legs. It, that it looks sore. so painful. I've never seen that work. Oof. I think the closest you got was, depending on what you do, it's like, okay, you, you can do like a leg drop and a body splash, but this just looked sore. Yeah, it did. It looked painful. Everything's kicking off, and then they just go to commercial. Yeah, why would they cut to commercial during this match and not the Battle Royal? Because fuck you, that's why. <laughs> when we're back, Saturn tosses a chair in the ring. Raven sets it up, then does a drop toe hold onto it. Commentary just writes that off as, oh, I think this is Raven's rules. What? It's so- not! It's not Raven's rules! Raven goes for a powerbomb on Kidman, and uh, in the in the shocker of the night, it gets countered into a face buster. What? never seen that move from him before ever not once hot tag to ray ray goes for a springboard moonsault press and almost lands right on his fucking head i think he like shorted a little mm-hmm. bit because saturn catches him it's like oh you would have fucked yourself up there yeah speaking of fucking yourself up ray hits a bronco buster on saturn goes for it on raven but raven gets his foot up and ray just like jumps crotch first into the foot which looked also very painful. Yeah. There were a couple painful moments in this. Ray gets elevated by Raven into a dropkick into Saturn, who then falls back into the ref, knocking the ref down. Saturn hits the Death Valley driver on Ray and has the pin, but the ref is down. Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko then come down. Dean hits just a suplex, and then Benoit hits a diving headbutt on Saturn. And before we go on, I want to talk about Chris Benoit's shirt. <laughs> okay. Chris Benoit is... A fairly large man, but somehow managed to find a white button-down shirt that seems to be about two to three sizes too large for him. <laughs> looking like Jerry Seinfeld not wanting to be a pirate. I was saying it was gang girl vibes. <laughs> yes, but that's still not a good thing. No, it's not a good thing. I was just looking for a wrestling comparison, not a Seinfeld comparison. Wearing a shirt that fits was forbidden by The Undertaker. Good lord. Just because you have a speech impediment doesn't mean you can make fun of other people's speech impediments. I don't think he actually has one. I think it's just the fucking fake fangs caused it. Oh, really? I think so. Oh, that would make sense. I, have, <laughs> I thought he had a lisp. No, I've not heard him. <laughs> I've not heard Gangrel really speak, but I'm pretty sure it's just the fangs. Oh. Because I feel like I've also seen him accidentally like spit them, spit them out. <laughs> actually, I think it was that promo where he's constantly like fixing it in his mouth. Oh my god! <laughs> and then they had them stop cutting promos. Well, yeah. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. The brood breaks their silence, only to repeat it. Anyway. Oh, uh, Ray Ray gets the pin. This was a really good match. It was. This was a really fun match. But, like, to me, Billy Kidman and Rey Mysterio together don't put on a bad match. Like, it was a really fun match. Fair. I mean, this felt very similar to last week as well, where I'm like... And I think because I was kind of expecting it, especially once the ref got Mm -hmm. bummed, I was a little more forgiving on this one. I'm like, okay, that's that's the story. Yeah. It's the same finish as last week. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to do with Spring Stampede. I know 
Ray and Kidman have a cruiserweight title match. I don't know if that'll get bumped in favor of a tag title match or just the other two teams will have a match. But I'm, I'm kind of curious to see where this goes. Ray and Kidman are my favorite people on the roster right now. I don't know if I've made that clear. Yeah. But yeah, they're my absolute favorites. Cut to backstage. Hogan is warming up, I guess. Just doing some crouches. Oh my god, yeah. I, some crouch thrusts. He he was doing some like sort of squats. And it didn't look all that intense, but he was doing like big grunts with it. And it, it's not like he was holding weights. He was just doing like body weight squats with like a little bit of arm motion. So I got up and started doing the same squats that he was doing. And I was like, this is not anything. He wasn't doing a full squat. He was just kind of like kind of crouching and putting his arms in circles, I think it was. It was not even remotely difficult. It would not be on DDP yoga. No, it would not be on DDP yoga. It was just kind of bizarre because the, the amount that he was vocalizing, I guess, during it, grunting, would make you think that he was holding like a 200-pound weight. No, it was just body weight. I, you seemed more bothered by it than I did. It was dumb. And speaking of Emily being bothered, next up, we have our other semifinals match in the U.S. title tournament, Booker T versus Chris Jericho. No Ralphus again and no Floof. No Floof. And this is where I noticed a decent handful of empty seats on the hard camera. Yeah, you pointed this out. I like didn't notice it before. Then I looked and I'm like, that feels like a lot. And like only a handful of them showed back up later. So I think people just left. Yeah, I was wondering. I mean, like we're on the strip, I think, or like near the strip. Yeah, they're. they're... I wonder if there was just, like another event going on. They were like, oh, we have tickets for that. We'll catch the first half of this. <laughs> Did people not realize it was three fucking hours? Maybe. Yeah, because this might have been around the top of the hour. So maybe. This is a pretty standard match between these two, with the exception of this ref is clearly kind of new. I I did not recognize him at all, and usually I have a loose handle on the refs. Yeah. This guy was in the way constantly. Like, Jericho actually has to, like, push him out of the way to hit his, like, triangle dropkick. That's true, yeah. I mean, it did it did allow for a pretty cool camera angle, I thought. I thought it looked cool. But, yeah, it was definitely invasive. And Booker at one point had to like tell him no, like I, I'm I'm trying to do something here, right? Jericho goes for the lion salt, but Booker gets his legs up, kinda, kinda. Booker hits a scissor kick and then a spine buster. Shortly thereafter, hits a spinneroonie and then a Harlem side kick. Scott Steiner then runs in with a yeah. chair, and Booker manages to fight him off. Then he vaults Jericho, who charges him over the rope onto Steiner, which causes the bell to ring, and they're like, oh. Booker won Booker by, wins by DQ. DQ, I guess. Which is bummer, because like this was I was enjoying this match. Yeah, I mean it was pretty, Steiner came. Yeah, it, it was, was standard, yeah. but like I like Booker and Jericho. Like they tend to put on good matches. Yeah, and it wasn't like, you know, Booker even got hit. Booker fought him off and it was just like, nope, that's it. Yeah, because you, you've it, had to explain that to me before of like if the interference gets the hit, then it's a DQ. But yeah, if it's, it's, a, if it's a dodged hit, then it's not necessarily a DQ. Yeah discretion i guess which makes the low blow in the other one even worse to yeah. me but the weirdest thing was it would have been one thing if if when steiner ran in and he like swung whatever then the ref called for it like the ref like didn't call for the bell he had to like oh yeah this needs to end right. uh, ring it and to add insult to injury unless there's a one-off there's no other matches on tv so unless uh there's another ultimate warrior situation this is it for Chris Jericho on on our podcast. I'm really sad about. Well, that's it. actually that's not true. We'll see him 
in WWF shows that we do. But that we do down the line. That That's it for him in WCW. I'm really sad about this because I love watching Chris Jericho. And he was also one of my favorites. The Floof. The Floof. floof lives. Yeah, so we can do a little bit of a... Uh, at least in terms of our journey with him, a little retrospective on Chris Jericho, because while he's been great, it's not been great. When you really, when you really kind of take a step back and think about it, because the first thing we saw him do was great. It was him having kind of a one-sided feud with Goldberg that never led to a match. Oh, yeah. And then he just seemingly feuded with Perry Saturn for like three yes. or four months. And that was a while, because that was the dress, and that was Ralphus. Oh, wow. He faced Conan at Starcade, and that really wasn't built to at yeah. all. And it, yeah, and in terms of a major impact, you know, he doesn't really have one. In terms of story, there isn't a massive hole in the card now. In terms of capable hands, there is a, a bit of a hole there. Yes, you have guys who can pick up the slack, but guys who have that level of character. Yes, I think that Jericho's character thrives in a promo not necessarily in the ring because he doesn't have as many people to bounce off of and i think it's funny because we're talking about how you know he didn't do anything of terrible importance but when he would come out i think okay cool jericho segment it was this, exciting it, yeah it, it's gonna be fun exactly it was something to look forward to so we we will miss him he weirdly will not leave the company until late july he'll do some house show stuff but this is his last match on television, so I'm assuming this is it for him. His his final WCW appearance is a little weird to try to sort out. Does he appear again? I'm saying he, on, on house shows, yes. He'll have, he'll have, he'll oh, have, oh, okay. He'll have matches on house shows, but... But he'll never be on, like, a pay-per-view or anything. Maybe in the background of a second, but I, I can't imagine them flying him in for... No. It's a bummer, because he does bring, like, a different energy and a different, like, attitude. He wasn't so, like grumble mumble and the best angry you know like a lot of the guys are if you look at scott hall kevin nash hulk hogan scott signer like they all give off like i am the greatest i am the best i am big and angry and grr and jericho really wasn't that he was kind of like a more sassy pompous attitude as opposed to like meathead attitude you know and it was refreshing and i'm, I'm gonna miss that so we will see good old Christopher Jericho down the road at uh, not a ton of points, but... He'll be there. Yeah. we. He's in our hearts and our minds. With the exception of bonus episode, I think the next time we'll see him will honestly be WrestleMania 2000. Okay. He will not appear on WWE TV until like August or September. So until then, he's just got time to kill. Why to Jericho? That, that's not it. When he comes to WWF? No one calls him Why to Jericho. He comes on as Y2J. Y2J, yeah. It, it, it's it's not Y2J. No one calls him really? Y2J. Jericho. Yeah, it's oh, Y2J. Well, obviously Y2J, I know. but I thought, I, thought he came, I thought he came out and like said Y2J Jericho at some point. No. No, I thought he did. No, it, 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 it's funny. Because it's not a thing, it just sounds so wrong to me with you saying it. I'm like, oh, no, it's, it's just off. Year 2000 in Jericho. So, next up, we, get, we go from... I'm just sad. We go from that to fucking Buff Bagwell. Yeah. Which, I hate when I can book wrestling shows. <laughs> it's so much easier and better than what they did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Scott Steiner's going to come down. Have him hit Booker T with a chair and have him work him over. Buff Bagwell's kind of feuding with Scott Steiner. Have him come down and make the save. He's literally up next. 
What are you doing? Yeah. Do you agree or disagree? I I do. I wouldn't have thought about it, but yeah, that would have made sense. I didn't think about it until Buff Bagwell fucking came out next, and I'm like, you have like walk past Scott Steiner on the fucking way in. Yeah, probably. Like coworkers uh, in the hallway. It's Buff Bagwell versus Bam Bam Bigelow. Bigelow still has no music. Which I thought was weird because didn't he have music for at least one of his matches? I don't think so. I thought he had something. But with goodbyes and no mean woo by God gene, let's take another crack at this. It's time for the return of... Who's That Pokemon? Yes, we haven't done this one in a minute because, you know, it was for Rey Mysterio and he hasn't had his outfits. And Booker T's kind of been uninspiring. Yeah, he's been rocking just like gray. Yeah. So we decided to give it a shot with uh, Mr. Bam Bam Bigelow. It's a complicated one because it's a Bam Bam Bigelow outfit. So there's a lot of flames and the different colors. But the main gist is it's black and purple. With some red or orange. There's some red, orange, and blue in there as well. But it's like, get get the main ones. So we have agreed to each other. To be very forgiving, because this one is hard and it's been a minute. Yes. So we're going to be forgiving and kind to each other. <laughs> All right. Emily, I think you said you had multiple? I have three options. You have three. All right. Give I'm me... I'm not sure which one you're going to like. Give me your so, three. So my top one, I'm going with Gengar. I'm taking the red or the orange out of his eyes, and I'm kind of going with the fact that he's sort of a ghost Pokemon as like the black, and then his body's purple. Yeah, I think you're better off with Ghastly out of that I mean, line. Because there was had... there was no yellow or orange or anything in Ghastly. But Ghastly, but Gengar... Ghastly was just purple. Gengar has no black. Well, no, Ghastly's body is black and then has the purple kind of gas. No, I'm <laughs> saying that Ghastly doesn't have any orange or red. Yeah, but he Gengar doesn't have any black. I'm like. He's he's a dark type ghost no, Pokemon. No, he's a ghost Pokemon. He's a ghost Pokemon. Ghost they're Pokemon's o- their color is purple. Dark Whatever. Type is black. <laughs> Who else you got? He's outlined in black. All right, change that to ghastly, and I'm on board. Nah, I, I disagree because it's the red and the orange. Anyway, number two in my lineup was Starmie. Again, you're not going for any black in this. No, I kind of forgot for went the black <laughs> on all three of my options. All right, <laughs> I did like the Starmie. Okay, option, so though. if we're if we're getting rid of the black, I think I like Starmie better than Gengar I liked here. Starmie when I found when I thought of Starmie, and I was like, that one could work. But again, no black. But all right, go on to the third one. The last one's Lipard. Eh, not as into that one. No, I thought that one was good. So those are my three options. So I I decided to be a little more. Um, Big brain energy with mine. So you're picking ones that I have no idea who they are. I'm gonna. Are you doing like um, different versions of these Pokemon? No, I will. I will text this. It is a Gen Five Pokemon, and it has the black, it has the purple, has a little bit of blue, a little bit of yellow, and it is a fire type, which gets the big okay. of fire. It is Chandelure. Mm, I like where you're going with it. I don't think that it matches him. Yeah, the purple is an exact match. It's, it's a but, lighter, kind of more lavender purple, and but, he's more of a darker purple. But I do have the black and purple with a bit of blue. You are correct. You if, have more of the colors, but I think that if it was a darker purple, I think we would have been good. I think we're just learning through this that the colors of Pokemon are not that varied. <laughs> I think that's a really the moral of, uh, of, of this game. So a bit of a rocky start. I think... Weirdly enough, with your ghost Pokemon in mind, I, I, I would think, honestly, maybe Ghastly is a, is a good middle point. I think so. And once again, we are not including shiny Pokemon, because I'm, no. I'm almost willing to bet there's probably one perfect one of that. Oh, probably. Bit of a rocky start, but we'll get there. It's the first one in a while. It, yeah, it, it, this was just a spur of the moment, like, let's do this. Let's give it a shot. So Buff taunts Bigelow for his physique at the start, like a pure baby face. 
He also does his flex taunt twice at the twice. start. Twice, Which yeah. I realize I'm going to start counting how much he does that fucking... The flex taunt or the, the, the stupid, the stupid step. dance thing, yeah. Because yeah. he does it a third time within the first, like, two minutes of this match. And all that flexing and making fun of Bam Bam's weight, you think, oh, I'd be able to slam Bigelow. <laughs> he picks him up and then he just collapses. He, like, pins himself. Yeah, he's all glamour muscles. He's all, he's all bias and tries. Got no core. So there's a weird spot where Bigelow picks up Buff, and in the process of just picking him up, he, like, clips the ref. And the ref takes a bump. It's like, what the fuck? Refs are made of glass. Yeah. So Hack then comes down and like half attacks Buff, but is really here for Bigelow. Hits him over the head with a kendo stick, which Bam Bam fucking no-sells. So yeah. Chastity comes in and sprays a fire extinguisher she brought down with her everywhere. Everywhere. And we noted from the smoke, it had a little bit of like a yellow tint. I'm like, ooh, this seems like it's a real fire extinguisher. It's like chemicals and things like i don't know much about fire extinguishers but this does not look like just a plain old you know smoke fire this has like something else in it this is not like a gimmick obviously this one's real so buff goes to climb up to the top rope to do his finisher and then he has to climb down because there's so much smoke over there and i was trying to figure out i'm like okay is there another spot and he realized he's too early or is it the amount of smoke it's like nope no it was the smoke yeah he just could not do the move safely because he couldn't see. So Buff hits a Brett's Rope blockbuster and gets the win. But he does something in the ring, I guess it must be after the win, yeah. where he does that like step dance thing, but he's wincing so hard. There's so much pain in his face that that's what was like, oh, that's real ass smoke. Like this is, this is not, this. they just pulled this off the wall backstage, this yeah. fire extinguisher. Yeah, and Chastity didn't just do, oh, I'll do a little spray. He's like, no, she, she fucking. She the whole thing. There was a lot of smoke. This match was fine nothing too crazy kind of like the rest of the show so far i had such high hopes for this show because like i was so excited about the intro it's like oh wow this is gonna be a whole new nitro it's not we then get the nitro girls again this i think this is where i I think it's the final one and i actually noted i'm like oh yeah it's a little more sexual of like one of them like bending over and like twerking like on the lap of the other nitro girls like oh okay it's a little more sexy then we get something uh interesting don't we emily do we we get a little uh, feud package for somebody's match at uh, Spring Stampede. Oh. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how they did it, but uh, they have this whole video package for Goldberg and Kevin Nash. You know, the match that they made about an hour ago. Yeah. That was pretty quick, wasn't it, video team? That was a real quick turnaround out of there. How'd you do that? So, yeah, they'll have a match on Sunday. And uh, now it's time for our main event. Starting with a strong We Want Sting chant. Yeah, everyone's like, you told the Sting would be here. Yeah, Where no, the that fuck we are going into the main event, no announcement from Sting. Yeah, yeah, and those thing, they said an, an announcement. Yeah, they did not say implies, an appearance, they said an yeah, announcement. Which implies like he's going to come out on his own. And like do a promo, yeah, nope. So it's Michael Buffer time. Ladies and gentlemen. And this was noted earlier in the show, but this is a... Like, fatal four-way, it's not the four corners match, so they, they say it's tornado rules... So all four people can be in the ring at the same time, as opposed to the stupid tag yeah. bullshit. So Kevin Nash is on guest commentary, really doesn't contribute much. At all. I, I forget I, well, that he's there. Literally at all, because yeah. the one thing he's supposed to do, he fucks, he fucks up. up. But we'll get there. We were interested to see the order of how people came out. It was Ric Flair, then Hogan, then DDP, then Goldberg. And I was surprised Hogan came out second. Right. I thought Hogan would want to come out last to be like, you know, the caboose, I guess, the one to get the most the headliner. The headliner, sure, we can say that. Get the most uh, like attention. Yeah, I thought the same thing. He came out second, but oh shit, no, I guess they got to they're going to keep Goldberg looking strong. 
This is where Flares tell the cameraman to back up again. Again. You think he tells him twice during this one. Match starts and Goldberg and DDP immediately brawl to the outside. And somewhere on the outside, I thought DDP bladed, but I think it was hard way because it kind of stops after a certain point. So I don't know what the fuck happened there. Yeah, because it was really up in his hair, too. On the outside, Flair tries to chop Goldberg, but it has no effect. On the inside, DDP hits a diamond cutter and commentary doesn't really notice. Right. Goldberg pulls him off the pin. Hogan whips Flair with his belt and then chokes him. There is a big We Want Sting chant after a Flair low blow. <laughs> Flair very casually gets the figure four in on DDP and Goldberg just like walks over and like kicks him. Like, no, break that up. Yeah. Flair grabs a chair from the front row. He grabs it from the security guy. Like the poor security guy that is just like sitting there keeping track of the audience. Takes his chair. Tosses it into the ring. And I feel like we're understanding how messy a lot of this match is. Yeah. Because, You're kind of blowing through it, but like, yeah. Yeah, was... because, because it's one of the first, like, real Fatal 4-Way matches, they don't know what to do with it. Like, they I don't even, that's true, yeah. They don't even do the, oh, two people fight in the ring and then, you know, we'll, like, basically take a nap on the outside and no. then somebody will come in. It's like, no, we're going to all awkwardly brawl at the same time. Yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was strange because all these guys also have, like, an ego complex. Like, they all want to be in the ring. I think that's a little unfair. You tell me that Hogan doesn't have a god complex. I'm saying I don't think DDP does. Fair, but like you, you're just gonna be the one guy that like is willing to like sit out and let other people have their moment when there's four of you. Come on. More we want sting chance is the four brawl on the outside, and I think it was a it was a lot of the near fall kind of stuff. This match just loses steam and the crowd kind of yeah it does. Like it it feels like it's building something. Especially when the diamond cutter starts. Like okay, we're gonna go into the end. It's like. That's like the midpoint. Right. Because right around this point, Goldberg hits a jackhammer on DDP and commentary like doesn't note it. No, they say nothing. And then they don't note a spear to DDP or a spear to Flair. And then they hit, hit, and then he hits one on Hogan and then they finally actually perk up a little bit. Yeah. They're like, oh, spear there to Flair. And then Hogan, and Hogan's like, oh my God, he hit a spear. Yeah, it was wild. <laughs> so Hogan kicks out of the spear and then right around this time, Kevin Nash gets up from commentary. Goldberg sets up for a jackhammer on Hogan, picks him up, hits it, goes for the pin, and somehow during this time, Kevin Nash was unable to get from the commentary desk at ringside into the ring to break up the pin. So Hogan has to kick out. Well, I guess he did because he did, it was a title match, but you know, it was like a oh. Yeah, I didn't totally understand because you could also see in the audience everyone just like waving Nash in too. So I'm wondering if he just wasn't moving very fast. And everyone's like, you got to get in. Go. Come on. Yeah. Well, it's also funny because you see he realizes he's too late and he like mm-hmm. really quickly hops up on, onto the apron. And then because he's big, he has to go over the top rope and yeah. he's too late. So it's like, oh, Hogan had to kick out. Yeah. Which I think I'm realizing now. I was I was annoyed about in the moment. But it's a title match. You can't have Hogan suddenly win the title. So right. I'm actually a little more forgiving on that. In terms of Hogan, Kevin Nash, get your fucking ass in the oh, ring. Oh my god, yeah. I have imag- I imagine that Kevin Nash was just like doing his stupid slow little NWO saunter and realized he wasn't moving fast enough. I have a thought that I, I don't actually believe, but I'll say it anyway. Mm. It's like, what are the odds Kevin Nash didn't want to push Goldberg? So he's like, oh, I'll be late, then Hogan will have to kick out and it makes Goldberg look weak. Ugh. A handful of top guys have that mentality of, I need to keep my spot, brother. Yeah. So I don't think I actually think that, but it's entirely possible. Yeah. 
Which is just kind of shitty. And even though this is a fatal four-way, Nash coming in results in the bell being rung. Yeah. And I think this is where you noted, like, oh, shit, we're starting to run out of time. Yeah, I mean, when we started this match, we had about 20 minutes. And now the final, the the main event has finished, and we still have no Sting. Well, we finally get Sting. Sting repels down, and all of Flair, Hogan, and Nash bail to, I guess, backstage. Mm -hmm. Because we don't really see them again. Sting points his bat up to the rafters. At least it seems like, like. He's pointing at something. And then they're like, oh, I think he's pointing to the video screen. And then he goes to the other side and points to the video screen. And, and then see? and then it goes to the video screen and suddenly there's a like typography fucking announcement video. Voiced by Macho Man. Yeah. The returning Macho Man Randy Savage. We haven't seen him since, I guess, literally the last Nitro of 98. Mm-hmm. But even be- before that, we hadn't seen him for a while. So it's like, oh. I guess Randy Savage is back. This is kind of weird. Yeah. And he announces that there's there's a new main event. Or I guess not even a new main event. There is a main event to Spring Stampede. <laughs> it's going to be Ric Flair versus Hulk Hogan versus DDP versus Sting for the world title. And Randy Savage will be the referee. So this was overall a mess. It was 100% a mess. And the announcement didn't get much of a reaction. No, it didn't. And I don't know if it's... Because they basically just saw the same match, just swap Sting with Goldberg. Yeah. It's like, yeah. and It was strange. Ironically, if you had kind of not done that weird middle third and just gone into the final sequence after that one diamond cutter, it's like you probably would have had more time and, you know, could have had Sting maybe do a little little something or not have it feel so rushed. But also, why wasn't Randy Savage there? That was the weirdest thing to me. Yeah, I don't know why he... And also, why didn't they like show his face? If it was just like the typography sort of thing? Like, why not do like a video promo with his face? Why just do his know. voice? I think he has a slightly different look, but it's not like... It's not, oh my god, who is this man? Who is that girl I see? Like, I thought he was going to show up in the rafters when, he, when Sting was pointing up there. Right. And I'm like, why was Sting just he? couldn't see what he was pointing at. Yeah, that is the April 5th, 1999 Monday Nitro. Thoughts on the show as a whole? I had a lot of high hopes going in, and they were not met. I was kind of bored. I think I like... I mean, this show did feel a little long, but I think I actually did like this show. It it had a lot of kind of neutral to neutral good stuff, and it did also have a lot of weird nothingness. Yeah. But with the exception of the Battle Royal... There wasn't any long, boring stretches. Like, everything was kind of fairly quick. That's true. I guess I'll give it that. With the exception of the main event felt long. It did, but there was still a lot going on. So, like, I'm not going to fault that for feeling long. And, listen, it had people interested. This show Mm -hmm. did a 4.3 rating, which is their best in a little while, compared to Raw's 5.8. So, they actually managed to narrow the gap a little bit. A little bit. So all that leaves is best bit and MVP. Emily, best bit. I guess I'm going to give it to the tag team match. Okay. It was hard to think of a best bit personally. I was like, I was ready to give it to the main event, but it was just kind of boring. I wasn't into it as much. And I was also ready to give it to Sting's return, but that was kind of also nothing. So yeah, I guess my best bit, I'm going to the tag team match. What's yours? Uh, I'm going to go with the NWO Battle Royal. You're a fucking liar, and you gotta tell me the real answer, or I'm quitting this podcast. 
No, I can't remember the right answer. I'm going to unplug my microphone. <laughs> my MVP is uh, Stevie Ray. I'm unplugging my microphone. Good night. No, I also gave my best bit to the tag title match. Yeah. MVP, Emily. This was also scary. Yeah, I, I struggled hard with this. I gave it to DDP because he's an underdog. That's the only reason I had. He was the only guy in the battle that wasn't like a champion and he was, you know, had the most to, to gain from it. <sighs> I, I struggled mightily with mine, and I think I'm going to give mine to somebody who's being consistent while also juggling a, a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I'm giving it to Scott Steiner. He's managing to juggle multiple feuds, and it doesn't feel like too much. <sighs> and in a time where half the characters just feel inconsistent as fuck. Look at yeah, DDP's a face this week all of a sudden. Yeah, I don't know. Hogan mumbles too much, and it's the weird leader of the heel faction. I wanted to talk about earlier, too, and I know it's late for this, how little the phrase NWO-ite really flows. NWO-ites? Yeah, Yeah. it's stupid. It's up there with Funkadactyl for just... Funkadactyl. Really? That's the best you had? Yeah. No, it was pretty bad. But yeah, I'd say him or Goldberg, and I feel like... Scott Snyder did more than Goldberg, I think, in this episode. Well, it's also, I think... Steiner is better at juggling his multiple feuds. Goldberg, it always just feels like separate things. Like, depending on what he comes out, it's like, okay, well, this is in, in the title hunt Goldberg versus this is I am not booked Goldberg versus Steiner always just feels like Steiner. Fair. Okay. I guess I can take that. Yeah, hopefully that'll be uh, easier next time. So we'll, I guess we'll get to see Macho Man Randy Savage in the flesh. Ooh. When you... On our next episode, which will be Spring Stampede 1999. We've got... A, oh, God. I don't know if it's a fatal four-way or a four-corners match. They did not say. I don't think. Yeah. So. I er, if They didn't make it clear, at least, because this was a four-corners match, but then it's like tornado rules. So I don't know whether it'll be the weird tag-in thing or not. I hope not. So we've got that match. We've got a Cruiserweight title match. We've got Conan and Disco Inferno. Well, i got a couple other things. Where, oh, the finals of the U.S. title tournament. Which was a match last month for the television title, which I feel like we didn't talk about. I guess not. Yeah, it's Booker T and Scott Steiner again. Oh, okay. Now now for a different title, even though Booker still has the TV title. <laughs> so, there, there's, some, there's some promise. We'll see. It looks like it could be a good show. We'll see. I'm not keeping my hope high. I, I, can, I can tell you this. Vincent will not be wrestling. I don't know if there'll be anybody else in the B team, but Vincent will not be wrestling. Well, that's good. It's always a good thing. Always. So until that episode, you can follow us on Twitter at Butts in the Pod. Find us on Instagram. You know the handle for that. Same as Twitter, Butts in the Pod. Subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Emily, any closing thoughts before we get before we head to Spring Stampede? No. <laughs> no. I was what? trying to think of something fun to say. I'm like, I just really hope that it gets... I feel like I say it every week. I hope it gets better. Yeah, very deep thoughts there. I, I'm I'm wondering how, over under, three nitros, how many will it take for them to fix the stairs? Ooh. I'm going to say it's fixed by the next one. Okay. Well, that's our big hook for our next... Uh, by the next nitro, not next, by Spring Stampede. Yeah, next nitro. But, in addition to Spring Stampede, a little tease, after that, we will be returning to the Land of Extreme... For another ECW pay-per-view. 
And we're doing this one because we're going to be doing ECW Hardcore Heaven when that shows up in the timeline. And I wanted to sneak this one in first. <laughs> if you know ECW, you probably know what show it's going to be. Considering we only did two shows to kind of establish what the hell ECW is going oh, into this one. So you probably know what it is. Oh, no. If you don't, you'll have to wait until I probably just say it at the end of uh, the next episode. Yeah, probably. Well, until then, thank you for listening to the Butts in the Seats podcast.